Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pro Football Show for this Wednesday, April 1st. I am Chris Landry. As we've headed to April, we're headed towards the draft at the end of the month, as we're beginning the month today. Uh, lots going on around the world. We know that you are uh, still probably quarantined and, and dealing with the social distancing that is has taken the world by storm, and we certainly you are, hope you're adhering to that, staying safe keeping you and your family safe. We're going to get into a lot of information today, some latest news around the league with regards to uh, draft meetings or excuse, draft meetings and draft day arrangements uh, for each teams, as well as uh, the latest is the uh, playoff expansions have been put into play and some plans that are going on around the league uh, related to the rest of the off season as we uh, are into a very unusual off season, but it has not affected the world of pro football in terms of news cycle, in terms of the draft. That is all in play. Lot to get to. Going to break down some players inside the film room, some free agent information, all the normal news and notes. If you got a question, this is where you want to send it. We're going to answer answer a question from Kevin. If you've got a question, you want to. Uh, me to address here or on the college podcast make sure that you send it to me and contact chris at landryfootball.com a reminder that if you're not listening to the college podcast each and every day you're missing a lot of draft film room analysis um, that takes you around the country that gets uh, a real good view of a lot of players so you want to take advantage of that you also want to take advantage of Coming a member at LandryFootball.com. It's our best offer we've ever had with the scouting season offer, and it gets you the real inside information from a veteran coach and scout that gives you a look inside the draft, real draft boards, not the amateur stuff that you see uh, in rankings and listings that uh, really does not apply to real-world football. From folks that have never been inside a draft room, we give you that different look. Um, that experience look. So check it out. We've got the draft boards up. We've got an updated look at all the free agent boards. So you want to check it out over at LandryFootball.com, our best discount we have ever had. So check it out. I also want to remind you about our great folks at 401k Generation. They're bringing you this podcast each and every day, the college podcast, the pro podcast. And uh, whether it's a 401k issue, an IRA issue, any issues regarding money management, investments, that just want to speak with someone to see if you're on track with your financial goals. Eddie Rojas, is, Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation is who you need to reach out to today. Give them a call. Give them a text at 1-866-998-5879. Well, the NFL said it's going to release the regular season schedule for this year no later than May 9th. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach this. As I've mentioned before, um, the common sense way to do it, and I'm not sure that they're going to do it this way, if we end up having to shorten the season, um, you would probably need to look at maybe front-loading the first four games of the season being in the other conference 
so that you could cut off those games, essentially make it a 12-game season, and still go forward. In the event that we have to shorten the season, not saying that we will, but that is something that I think is going to be interesting. And I, I thought maybe they might postpone the start of announcing of the schedule. But then again, you've got a lot of issues with travel plans and things. So um, they're moving on. I got to, you got to hand it to the league. They had free agency on schedule, draft on schedule, release of the season on schedule. We're not going to have OTAs. We're not going to have mini camps. I mean, that's pretty obvious we're not going to have that. And it looks like June's going to be in jeopardy for any type of activity like that, any get-togethers. But everyone's hopeful in the league that we're going to get to a regular schedule, that we are going to start the season on time, start training camp on time. Uh, we'll see if that is the case. Um, <clears throat> there's also some social distance guidelines for the draft rooms mandating no more than 10 people in every draft room and that everyone must be at least six feet apart. Uh, some states that have banned gatherings even that large, though, we assume the NFL will be allowed to look the other way. The NFL has yet to formally cancel OTAs, but the virtual program announcement is an acknowledgement that they're not going to happen. So they're going to have the virtual programs, and it's insisting that um, – uh, that that they've yet to consider contingencies to a normal regular season, though obviously the talks have been happening behind the scenes, and and I think they have to look at a reduced schedule and how that would look. You got to play a plan for all those those possibilities. Um, league executives continue to say that um, there's a plan towards playing a normal 16 game season in a full postseason, which we now know um, it's going to include 14 teams, two extra teams, <clears throat> one in each conference. And I, for one, like it. Um, years ago, I always thought that having too many teams diminishes the regular season. But the more I think about it, and the more things have changed since we've gone to the four-team divisions and eight divisions, that this makes a lot of sense, and it's probably the right number. It always made sense to me to have one team in each conference that would get the bye and stand apart, not two. <coughs> I think that makes more sense than having two. It makes the competition for the number one seed really important and really relevant, and it makes the regular season important with only 16 games, soon to be 17, that every game still going to be instrumental in gaining that bye, and then obviously getting more teams that are going to be in the playoff hunt. It's going to make more of those games relevant. So as we look at it, um, it makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's – been, uh, a, a, I think, a welcome change and a consideration for some time. Uh, it's now been official. Now, we are going to see when the league's going to decide on going to the 17th game. They've got a couple of years to do that. It looks like it's going to be just 16 games this year, and they're hoping that they can just get 16 this year, if nothing else. Um, we're going to take a look not only at a few draft prospects. We're going to take a look at 
recent drafts of NFC East teams as well as a look at their key needs this year. But again, a reminder that we've got updated free agent boards and information over at LandryFootball.com. Some free agent news of the day. The Browns have signed defensive end Adrian Claiborne, formerly of the Falcons, to a two-year, $6 million deal. He's been a replacement-level starter for nearly a decade now, primarily with the Falcons and the Bucks. Picked up four sacks last year as a 31-year-old. Should be viewed as a rotational veteran at this point in his career. The Browns' pass rush is going to be led by Miles Garrett. The Vikings are actively discussing a long-term contract with safety Anthony Harris. The Vikings placed the franchise tag on Harris this offseason with a plan of trading him for a mid-to-late-round pick. They may not have received as much interest as they had hoped, so signing Harris to a long-term deal would be the next best option. Harris should command double-digit millions annually on a new deal. Reportedly, the state of Minnesota was considered a top safety on the market at the beginning of free agency. Uh, Getting a deal done would be huge for the Vikings. The Broncos' um, decision to to sign Melvin Gordon is going to be interesting because, A, they need two good backs. They've got one in Phillip Lindsay. Can Melvin Gordon stay healthy and help the young quarterback Drew Locke out? Or can he? Is he going to be the injury-prone guy, and the fumbler that has plagued him to this point from being a great player or a consistently good one anyway? But there's another factor into it. Um, Philip Lindsley is ticketed to be a restricted free agent next off-season, uh, and they've not made a whole lot of progress on an extension for him. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out short-term and long-term for Denver at the runback position. The Jets have re-signed David Fales to a one-year contract. The quarterback has been one of them. Uh, Adam Gase's um, pets, I should say, going back to their time together in Chicago. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be a number two, but practice as well. Adam likes him, and we'll see what he can do to help out and certainly give them some reps and practice behind uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, Everson Griffin has an interest in signing with the Seahawks. Uh, probably more of uh, you know an interest in Jadavian Clowney, but we'll see. He's not been um, – neither one has generated any movement to this point. I think teams are going to focus a little bit more in the draft and, less, and see where they are and how they're able to fill those needs. But it's going to be interesting to see what the market is for both Clowney and Griffin. The Browns also been reported as a potential landing spot for Griffin. Um, A new deal with the Vikings is off the table. Uh, It's been said inside the Griffin camp. Cardinals general manager Steve Kime has had discussions with um, DeAndre Hopkins about a new deal. And on one hand, the Cardinals want to keep him happy. On the other hand, They have them at a bargain price for each of the next three years. So it's going to be a tricky negotiation. We'll see how this plays out. Um, You're dealing with a guy that could potentially be a holdout, and that's not a good sign. When you make a move for a guy, you're making a commitment that is a distinct one and to not create an environment that is um, conducive to harmony could be an issue inside that locker room. Newly signed cornerback Chris Harris said he would likely ban the slot for the Chargers in 2020. The main thing 
they, they brought him for, for, for well, there was that. Um, he roamed outside uh, in, in the, the Denver's defense. Uh, but it's a, you've got uh, Desmond King, who's also an inside guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play it. They certainly have some depth in terms of the ability to cover the slot there. Looks like Saints, Sheldon Rankins, who's been, I don't know if a disappointment is accurate, but certainly is not produced mainly due to injuries. Coming off the Achilles, should be ready for training camp. Um, had just 323 snaps last year after a breakout 18 season. Still only 26, so, but the health is the biggest issue there. In Washington, the Redskins re-signed Brandon Sheriff to a one-year $15 million contract. Um he remains one of the best guards. He's 29 years old. Um, going to be interesting to see whether he can stay healthy and how he produces this year uh, for them. Seattle has released Ed Dixon. Move clears $3 million against the cap. It was a no-brainer for a team that stockpiled tight ends. He's 33 years old. He missed all of 19 with a knee injury, limited to just 10 appearances. With his age and injury history, he's going to have trouble latching on elsewhere. Um, the Bengals sign um, cornerback Greg Maven. Um, it kind of went up and down off and on the roster last year, made nine appearances, um, a depth signing, a a, um, a special team signing. Uh, the Colts came out, and Frank Wright talked about how hard they looked at Tom Brady in free agency, and we talked about it and had it in their notebooks, that the Colts were definitely in play or at least were interested in Tom Brady. Frank Wright said he played well, know how good he is, of course. They just felt Phillip Rivers the right guy. Why, you know, interesting to see. Don't know, you know, Brady was clearly shopping himself to the Bucks, so – It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you can certainly make the case that he can do uh, a better job of creating. Elsewhere, Adam Vinatieri remains undecided on returning for the 2020 season. You know, he's really struggled. Um, turning 48, um, 25th NFL season, you really think they've got to move on and find a better kicker. And uh, don't know that Adam has a whole lot left, but uh, he's been counted out before. Just think he's at the end of the line. Um, don't be surprised if the Steelers allow Juju Smith-Schuster to walk away following the 2020 season, I'm told, unless the level of production increases. Um, Kevin Colbert has a long history of letting wideouts depart in free agency. you got uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Wallace and Santonio Holmes and Plaxico Burris, so... Really, his play this next year is going to determine whether he's got a future in Pittsburgh or not. The Seahawks released Tedrick Thompson. Uh, he's been given a permission to seek a trade, but he's never going to have a robust market. He ended up playing roughly half the snaps he received in 18. Uh, Thomas's experience in relative youth will give him a starting chance to crack someone's 53-man roster this summer. The Bears re-signed uh, defensive back DeAndre Houston Carson to a one-year contract. Appeared in all 16 games in Chicago last year. Uh, a lot of it on special teams. The former Bears, 185th overall pick in the 16 draft. 
Uh, the Bengals released Drake Kirkpatrick, who's expected follow the addition, following the addition of Trey Waynes and, and uh, Mackenzie Alexander in free agency. Uh, former first-round pick ended his tenure in Cincinnati with 10 interceptions and 65 deflections and 99 appearances. Um, he's going to compete in the nickel packages um, for um, somebody. Multiple teams have expressed interest in Unique and Ndokwe. A lot has been connecting him to the Giants, the Eagles, the Steelers, the Packers. Uh, but it looks like uh, he'll likely get traded at some point. It'll be interesting to see uh, around draft week or beyond the chances of him remaining in Jacksonville. It's not real good. Probably going to sit out most of the time. Um, you know, we won't have an off season, but I expect them to report late for camp, even if camp is on time and not be a good guy in the locker room this year, quite frankly. So I think you want to maybe get the best deal that you can. And certainly time will, will determine that, but check that out. In fact, again, check the top remaining free agents, a complete position by position breakdown of each free agent signing as well as who's still remaining and who might be good fits around the league. You can get that all on LandryFootball.com in our um, in our uh, free agent boards and free agent scouting reports. Uh, Kyle Allen said he expects to compete for the Redskins' starting job. Um, you know, obviously he's got some experience, familiar with the coach. Dwayne Haskins is there. Not likely he'd win it, but uh, certainly going to compete. That makes some sense. Um the Cardinals definitely in the running back shopping business. And they're doing their due diligence on Utah running back Zach Moss. Um, physical, instinctive back that's good contact balance, breaks tackles. <clears throat> nice compliment um, to the more explosive Kenyon Drake. So we'll see if that's uh, somebody that uh, they can end up being in a position to get probably on day two. Um far as some looks at some key guys in this draft, thought would take a little time to look at some of the top offensive tackles in this draft. And there are three guys in particular that I, I think are intriguing. We've uh, already talked um, about Makai Becton, who maybe has the most natural physical gifts but not the most polished offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas. I think those are guys that that I think are going to be real uh, interesting to study uh, as we head into the draft and guys that I think are going to have impact over the NFL level. So I'll start with Andrew Thomas, and then uh, we'll get to Wills and Wirfs. But Andrew Thomas, um, out of Georgia, is 605-1, 10 and uh, 2 eighth inch hands, 36 and 8 inch arms, 83 and 4 8 inch wingspan, 5'2", 240, 29, 420, 183, 10, 21 of the bench, 30 and a half vertical, 9'1", broad jump, and 4'6", 6, 6 short shuttle, 7'5", 8", 3 cone. Thomas is a four-star recruit out of Atlanta's Pace Academy. Had 29 offers coming out, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Georgia before committing to Georgia in July of 16. 
um, graded out over 68% uh, and over in the in the 76% in pass blocking grade and 63% in run grade across 917 offensive snaps in his freshman year at right tackle. Production got better and better as he progressed. The 6'5", 320-pounder recorded an 80% overall grade in his first year at left tackle in 2018 and a career-high 92% overall grade percentage at the same position in 19. He earned an 89% pass blocking grade and a 91% run blocking grade is a true junior this past year. Not a perfect prospect by any means, but still a lot to clean up on tape. But really productive, really a nice finished product. All 816 of his snaps past year were at left tackle. Um, being able to stop the edge rusher with one punch makes up for a lot of of issues with offensive line foot quickness this guy's got it this guy's got an unbelievable punch he's got great level of strength shows good agility down-to-down consistency in his technique best career grading profile of any tackle in this draft class and he's done it against the best competition in college football he locks in takes in for a ride Really good strength for a true sophomore. Natural flexibility. Can sink his hips. Explode through blocks. Well proportioned. I mean, he looks thin at 320 pounds. NFL level ability to get depth out of his stance. Can kick slide. Good movement skills. Um, Feet are all over the place in pass pro technique-wise. So I think there's some work there. But, boy, he's got natural ability to move it. Um, hands need to do a better job of clasping on to defend. He delivers a blow, but he doesn't gain control as well as he should. He's relentless uh, to his run blocker. He uh, fires off low. Um, They do protect him a little bit with the tight end to his side. Just just a really good player, though. I mean, um, prototypically built offensive tackle. Most of his snaps come out of a two-point stance, but he's not a passive guy in any way. He's terrific in the run game, good initial quickness in, in the pass set. He's got good patient. patience, uh, not a flashy athlete, labors a little bit onto the second level, um, can get a little over his skis a little bit when blocking on the move. Um, you know, to me, he's a, a little better version of Brandon Albert. He's a little better version of a Ronnie Stanley Kind of a Russell Okung guy. He's even bigger than Okung. But similar type style. I think he's a plug-and-play guy for years to come. Um, I mean, I think he's a 10-year player in the league. I think this guy's going to be outstanding on to the next level. Jedrick Wills of Alabama. Um, he is uh, 6042, 3'12". 10-inch hands, 34 and 2 8 inch arms, 83 and 4 8 inch wingspan, 505 40, 286 20, 18110, 34 inch vertical, 95 broad jump, 484 short shuttle. Started for Lafayette High School in Lexington, Kentucky, five-star prospect. Um, 
as a true freshman. You saw the raw athleticism. It was hard to ignore. 121 offensive snaps, 81, which came as a run blocker. Created out well over 87% in 17. Followed up with performance in 18 as a full-time starter at right tackle. Wasn't quite as impressive, but graded out just at over 68%. Pass protection from Wills was still solid, um, but his run grade graded out at only 63%. His junior year as a run blocker, um, he allowed a pressure rate of 4% or less for the second straight year in pass pro, and his run blocking grade really improved a great deal, over 90%. It's one of the more explosive, agile tackles you're ever going to see. Um, he's a, just a winning combination. He's played more right tackle. 760 of his reps this past year came at right tackle. He's got the physical tools to execute um, any block you could possibly ask him why his feet and hands are still catching up in terms of pass protection. He's a run-blocking ready guy. He's a smaller version of Morgan Moses, little Lane Johnson in him, one of the nastiest run blockers in the country. Um, fires out of his stance, get, uh, getting depth. It's pretty easy for him. Explosive no matter what he's doing. More like a defensive lineman than an offensive lineman. Very agile for a big guy. Handles stunts easily. Doesn't seat an inch to bull rushers. Can execute any block or blocking scheme you ask. Gets punch happy a little bit in pass pro. Tries to deliver a huge blow instead of a well-timed one, and that gets him into trouble. Uh, rarely switches up his sets or punches. Susceptible to the inside move. Uh, base gets a little wide in pass pro, so it can be tough for him to change directions. And he has a tendency to get a little grabby. Uh, he's been flagged quite a bit. But, you know, the guy is a 29-game starter at right tackle. Graduate-level anticipation when locating and eliminating linebackers at the second level and reacting to combo blocks. Powerfully built, people mover, much more athletic than his stocky build would indicate. Uh, footwork, short, toppy steps, technically sound. Hands low at the snap. Uh, elite length and height. And get himself in the trouble when winding up his hands. Rare combination of power, functional quickness, and technique. Um, really another plug-and-play guy that I think has a lot of ability at the next level. Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. <coughs> Pardon me. 6047, 320, 10 and 2 8 inch hands, 34-inch arms, 80 and 2 8 inch wingspan, 48540, 278, 20, 169, 10, 24 bench, 36 and a half vertical, 10-1 broad jump, 468 short shuttle, 765, 3 cone. Freaky natural athlete. Um that offers from Iowa, Iowa State, four-star guy. Came in 6'5", 320. He's improved his game greatly. They do such a great job of teaching and developing at the offensive line position at Iowa. Um, his overall grade as a freshman, graded out at just, at, just under 60%. Really struggled in pass protection. He allowed 18 pressures and 241 pass blocking snaps. That improved on a larger 820-snap sample size as a sophomore in 2018. He raised his overall grade to 75%, 
while cutting his pressure rate in half to 7.5% in 17 and 3.7% in his sophomore season. Last season, he brought uh, with it another improvement, graded out 88% pass protection, 90 as a run blocker, 91 overall grade, ranked fourth among tackles. Uh, it's really gotten better and better. May not have the length, but has all the other physical tools to hold up at tackle. Um, but he's progressed so much. Very, very impressive. His 600, he had 693 snaps at right tackle this year, 161 at left tackle. Um, weights well distributed, surprisingly nimble, slides and recovers, can maintain his arc against speed rushers. Initial quickness is really good in the run game. Consistently able to complete down blocks on the defensive tackle. Very pro-ready on combo blocks, recognizing twists, stunts, and late blitzes. Um, plays with a nastiness. A little bit stiff in his core. Struggles when rushers cross his face. He lacks effect, flexibility to turn his frame and recover. When run blocking is sometimes unable to adjust to moving targets. Can be walked deep into the pocket when he loses his leverage battle. Plays on his heel at times. Has a size and mauling style that's kind of similar a little bit to Bobby Massey. Reminds me a little more Cam Robinson or Kelechi Osimile. I see him as a zone blocker. Um, mauler style that uh, he broke Brandon Sheriff's um, hand clean record when he was only 20. Uh, I, I worry about his arm length and possibly being a better um, guard than tackle. Um, when he gets clean and engaged, he'll take defensive linemen out of the picture. Um, his hands are really heavy. He can extend and move defensive linemen backward. Um, he's got quiet feet in his pass set. He's always under control and in balance. Um, he doesn't give much, doesn't give much in the pocket. He sinks his hips, absorbs a bull rush with ease. Um, just really, really a plug-and-play guy as well that may be a better fit at guard, but I wouldn't count him out at right tackle. So three three outstanding players. <clears throat> so I wanted to spend a little time talking about the NFC East. We talked about the AFC East yesterday, so – Thought we'd get into a little look about the, the NFC East. Uh, we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, last year there were a lot of expectations, expected to contend for the NFC Championship and lofty goals, got off the 3-0 start. They rarely played well on both sides of the ball at the same time, and they rarely played well outside the NFC East. They were 5-1 and one against division teams and 3-7 and seven against everyone else. They just didn't beat anybody good. It had a chance to win the division in Week 16, but played an uninspired game in that 17-9 loss to Philly, finished with an 8-8 record, fired Jason Garrett, brought in Mike McCarthy. They had a top-ranked offense in the league, um, 431 yards per game, 27 points per game, ranked six. But most, while most of the numbers were impressive, they were second in the league in passing, fifth in rushing yards, the declining loss, the, 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 the deciding loss of the Eagles was really the third time Dallas lost a game in which the defense allowed 17 points or less. So they can never put it, the whole game together. The defense was ranked in or near the top 10 in almost every category. 
they struggled forcing turnovers. They took the ball away uh, 17 times, including a league low, seven interceptions. <coughs> you take a look at them. They've not drafted poorly at all. I mean, if you look, uh, Will McClay's done a really good job for them, for Stephen and Jerry. Um, you know, Byron, the, the, the Byron Jones, the 15 class has moved on with Byron Jones moving on. But Zeke Gellick, Jalen Smith, and Malik Collins, and Dak Prescott, and Anthony Brown, um, Leighton Vander Esch, and Michael Gallup, they've had some good players. No question about it. Tackle Charton didn't wake out, work out well in 17, but they've had some good players that have helped their team. Look at last year. Let's take a look. Tristan Hill, the defensive tackle in the second round in Central Florida, disappointed early, but he flashed some late in the year. Connor McGovern spent the entire season on IR, but he could compete for left guard this year. Tony Pollard of Memphis, efficient as a change of pace back, underwhelmed as a kick returner. Michael Jackson. Corner from Miami didn't make the roster and uh, ended up signed by the Lions in October. Joe Jackson, the defensive end from Miami, drew some buzz in camp, but was a healthy scratch after week seven. Donovan Wilson, the safety from A&M, made the, made the roster, but just played in just 16 defensive snaps. He was a special teams contributor, that's all. Uh, Mike Weber didn't make the roster, joined the practice squad and signed with the Chiefs practice squad in January, and then Jalen Jelks uh, landed on IR, didn't do a whole lot. Amari Cooper, though, has been terrific and, and certainly helped them a great deal. <clears throat> look, at, look at what they've done this offseason. They signed HaHa Clinton-Dix, so maybe they can get a little bit more playmaking ability in the secondary. They re-signed Amari Cooper, was key. Uh, Anthony Brown was signed a three-year deal at corner. Uh, Kai Forbath was signed as, uh, as well as um, Greg Zerline, so we'll see what the kicking situation does. I'm not sure that Blake Jarwin's the answer at tight end, but they like him and obviously like him a lot. Sean Lee re-signed. Joe Looney re-signed. They did sign Gerald McCoy and uh, Don Terry Paul, defensive tackle. Uh, and Darian Thompson's re-signed with the Cowboys. So if you look at their needs, um, still think you're looking at uh, upgrades in the secondary at corner. You absolutely need another receiver. I think you need a young defensive tackle. Uh, maybe another impact safety, a young guy. Outside backer, uh, you need to add to the mix. A playmaker at tight end, that's more than what Blake Jarring can give you. And a defensive end, an offensive guard. I think those are the guys that they need to look at, and we'll see where, where they can go. I mean, Fitz, boy, it would be great for them to get a Javon Kinlaw or an A.J. Epineza or a Christian Fulton or a C.D. Lamb or guys like that. Those are guys that would be really good fits to add playmaking ability uh, for this team. Is Definitely, in my opinion, young defensive tackle, maybe a, a safety corner tight end. Those are all big needs for the Cowboys. Next up, the New York Giants. If you take a look at the G-men, Pat Shermer, in, in, a, in an organization that preaches stability and always seems to have stability, uh, they've struggled a little bit here recently, and I know that doesn't fit well with them, sit well with them. Um, Pat Shermer wasn't able to push them to that next level. They made the move. Dave Gettleman, um, certainly in a pivotal year for him, a big believer in him, but quite frankly, it's been very, very spotty. 
Um, they retained him, and they're going to have to reorganize things and see if they can win more games and see if Joe Judge can have an impact. If you look at the Giants, the drafts have been lean. Um, you know, they're the only saving grace from 2015, Landon Collins walked away. 16 group yielded only Sterling Shepard, who's battered concussion issues. Evan Ingram and Dalvin Tomlinson both look like keepers. Uh, but the otherwise, the 17 class is gone. The 18 class brought Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter, B.J. Hill. Um, the 19 class with Daniel Jones impressed early. Dexter Lawrence, Darius Slayton. So till, still too early there, but Darius Slayton's been really good. Jones and Barkley are, are valuable. Certainly, Eric Flowers was probably one of the worst picks in the group as they've been trying to fix the offensive line and have not been able to do it effectively. Look at last year. Daniel Jones proved ready to start pretty early, uh, and I think he's got a good future. Dexter Lawrence is day one starter, really excelled in the run game, get some some uh, power rush pressure. DeAndre Baker started all year, got picked on early. Hossein Zimes, uh, the outside backer from Old Dominion, was a, rotainer, a, ro- a rotational piece, flashed some as a pass rusher. Julian Love. Showed some um, good performances at nickel. And at safety, Ryan Conley um, jumped into the starting lineup and played pretty well before tearing his ACL in September. Darius Slayton, wide receiver from Auburn, showed off speed, body controlled in the deep threat. is really one of the surprises. Um, I thought Corey Ballantyne did a good job for him on the special teams role. Um and that's pretty much it. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But if you look at the moves that they've made, they still need a absolutely need a pass rusher, need an impact player on defense. Um, they put the tag on Leonard Williams. Um, they've got to get an edge rusher. Uh, Marcus Golden was good, but he's not a dominating difference maker. And, uh, you know, they need to improve that position in the worst way. I think linebackers – uh, which certainly brings uh, Isaiah Simmons into the mix, and certainly offensive tackle. It's kind of where they're looking now. They Camp Fleming, they signed with the Giants on a one-year deal. Um, James Bradbury agreed to a three-year, $4 million deal. Nate Abner agreed to join the Giants. As well, Kyler Fackrell's been added. Uh, Camp Fleming at tackle. Um, as I mentioned, Deion Lewis has agreed to join the Giants as a running back. Blake Martinez uh, as well as David Mayo, a Colt McCoy as a backup quarterback, and Levine Tuialo at, uh, at tight end, as well as Eric Tomlinson. And we mentioned uh, Eric uh, Leonard Williams, rather. So edge rusher, I still think uh, t- a young tackle, corner, inside backer, free safety, inside backer, defensive line tackle. I think a young receiver. Um, I think certainly you got to look at um, – in terms of value, if Okuda was there, I think you got to look at it. I think, it, in my opinion, I'd look hard at Derrick Brown. They probably are a little bit more concerned medically about Javon Kinlaw, but I'd consider it there. Jeff Okuda is definitely a pick. Isaiah Simmons is definitely a pick. I I would take that over Makai Becton, and Makai Becton could be a great left tackle. But I think a safer pick would be Isaiah Simmons. We'll see what they do and what Dave tries to do if he 
stick to his board. Uh, he'll stick to his board. I'm not concerned about that. But I wonder if the board will be set up correctly. You know, sticking to the board is great. What's most important is do you set your board up correctly? That's always uh, the key. For the Philadelphia Eagles, they overcame adversity by winning their final four regular season games, captured the NFC East title, advanced to the postseason for the third straight year under Doug Peterson. Wentz involved into a franchise quarterback, the team at Hope. Threw seven touchdowns without an interception during the Eagles' four-game winning streak. They were all must-win games after the team uh, left Miami following a 37-31 loss to the Dolphins. Um, by the end of the season, the Eagles were relying on players like Boston Scott and Greg Ward and Josh Perkins and Rob Davis and Deontay Burnett. All were practice squad guys. I thought the team hung in together. They played hard. Dallas is clearly more talented, not as well coached. Um, lots of injuries. Injuries are a part of the game. But there's a limit to what you can deal with, and they just couldn't deal with it. Um, they haven't unearthed many stars of late. Um, you know, if you look at, the last few years, um, go back to 15, Nelson Aguiar, of course you got uh, Carson Wentz, Siamalu, Faya Tyline, Jalen Mills, a couple of those guys moving on, Derek Burnett, uh, Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, Dallas Goddard. You know, they've got their, their quarterback in Carson Wentz, but they've not been as good as people think. Now, if you look at this past draft, Andre Dillard struggled as a swing tackle, especially at right tackle, but he could end up being the future starter at left tackle. At least they hope so. I hope so for him, and I think he'll start at left tackle for them. Miles Sanders is dangerous as a rusher and a receiver. He blossomed him in the second half of last year. I think J.J. Arcego-Whiteside has got to take on a larger role and stay healthy. Sharif Miller made the roster with a healthy scratch in all but one game. Uh Clayton Thorson struggled in preseasons, didn't make the roster, joined the Cowboys practice squad. So um, it, it's a, it definitely a spotty look in terms of the draft. You look at what they have done, cornerback was a big need, signed Darius Slay, acquired in a trade from the Lions. So that's their elite corner that can be a difference maker for them. Wide receivers, absolutely a need, a big-time need, and, and certainly um, going to need one of those. Uh, I think defensive tackle's a big need. Deron Hargrave is, is a nice signing, but not the long-term answer. They need a young defensive tackle. Um, they signed Jatavius Brown to a one-year deal. Jalen Mills to a one-year deal. Will Parks to a one-year deal. Signed Nikel Roby Coleman to a one-year deal in the nickel. So Nate Sudfield's re-signed. They got some work to do. Uh, again, um, I think receiver, inside backer, free safety, defensive tackle, outside backer, probably a guard at some point, maybe a strong safety. Um, look, there are a lot of opportunities there. I think that there's going to be uh, some real options there in terms of value at receiver, maybe even at corner, maybe even a linebacker that can be a difference maker for them. And finally, the Washington Redskins. Um a team that's in definite transition with a new head coach in Ron Rivera. 
Starting over again, after a 5-0 start, the Redskins fired Jay Gruden and named Bill Callahan the interim coach. Chose some – the change result in some closer games. They still finished 3-13, and last in the East. They were 142-193-1 and and since Snyder purchased the team. Uh, one playoff appearance. They hired Ron Rivera. They finally fired Bruce Allen as team president. Um – they needed a culture change. That's what they got. Uh, not a lot there. You've got Dwayne Haskins, who's got good future, and Terry McLaurin. You know, Adrian Peterson, is, who thought he'd have been maybe the biggest, bright, brightest spot on the team, but he still continues to be. Got a lot of work. It's by far the worst roster in that division. Uh, they picked some good players. Brandon Sheriff. <clears throat> Preston Smith and Jamison Crowder and Kendall Fuller and Sewell Cravens and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Geis has got to get healthy. Haskins might be a player. McLaurin, Montez Sweat needs development. Uh, Matt Iadonis is a good pick. You, know, you have the misses, the Josh Doxons, but, you know, look, I mean, they've got some talent. They've got to, got to again, get that culture going in the right direction, and the quarterback needs to be be the answer. Haskins was overwhelmed early. He's got to answer some maturity questions. Montez Sweat, day one starter, flashed at times, was inconsistent, but, boy, he got seven sacks, played well. McLaurin was one of the better rookies in the league last year, explosive speedster, uh, played very, very well. Bryce Love spent the full season on NFI following his ACL tear. We'll see what he can do. Wes Martin competed for uh, starting at left guard. Pershbacher made the roster but was a healthy scratch, didn't play. Cole Holcomb started immediately. Did some good things. Pretty productive. Kelvin Harmon was used sparingly. Jimmy Moreland filled in the nickel role pretty well. And uh, Jordan uh, uh, Brayford landed on IR. So Haskins and Sweat's got to really develop to make this class of success. McLaurin was a big-time steal, and there were some contributors down the road. Uh, what are their – let's look at what they've done. Kyle Allen was acquired in a trade. Peyton Barber signed at running back. Ronald Darby signed at corner as a one-year deal. Sean Davis, one-year contract, signed at safety. Thomas Davis, obviously connected to Ron Rivera, signed at linebacker. Um, Kendall Fuller signed a, a, a four-year deal. Cody Latimer uh, – going to get another chance. J.G. McKissick at running back. Pierre Lewis at linebacker. Brandon Sheriff, of course, um, signed the tag now. Wes Schweitzer signed a three-year deal. So where are they now? Um, certainly left tackle. Certainly inside backer. Uh, I, I think corner is still a need. An interior offensive line. Uh, a tight end, no doubt. Um, they need a big-time tight end, no question. A defensive end, the, the they got a still got a lot of particularly on the on the edge, but they've got some work to do at defensive end. So uh, maybe another young receiver to go with Terry McLaurin. So those are some of the needs there that they've got to figure out, and and uh, still got a long way to go to build that roster to be competitive in that division and in, inside the conference. We'll take a look. Uh, we'll get to we've got the East done. We'll probably head to the North and take a look at the North teams here in the next couple of days. We'll see. We may mix it up. 
we're going to get to everybody here and kind of take a look at each team as they head towards the draft. I want to answer a question that Kevin asked. Kevin says, last week you mentioned that John L. and Andrew Luck were the only quarterbacks of the 7-0 grade. Can you explain why Peyton Manning, Steve Young, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers weren't 7-0 coming out of college? Kevin, I think you're missing the point that I've tried to explain a couple of times on previous shows. It's very difficult to get a 7-0 grade. I think you're under the impression that, well, every year the best players at the top of the draft should probably get a 7-0 grade. It's not the way it is. It's a rare grade. So it's there are a lot of these guys, and if you look at every one of those guys, there are very good reasons why all of those guys, you know, didn't make a 7-0 grade. In fact, I do think I uh, – that I did give one of those guys a 7-0 grade. But the point is, very few of those guys, very few players, period, at any position, get a 7-0. So I think that's what you have to understand. 6-9 is about as high as it gets, and 7-0s are for the exceptional, absolutely, positively can't miss. And every one of those guys weren't in that category of absolutely can't miss. So hope that answers it. Um he says, last week you also mentioned that as an NFL scout who analyzes college players has a more difficult job than, an event, than a pro scout, pro personnel scout is what I said. Because he has to project a player to the next level. Amongst the NFL scouts that you know and respect, which areas in our positions has the most variance with respect to player grades and which tend to have the most consensus? I, I don't think there's – listen, the elite players are – that can play across any scheme or the ones that have the most consensus. You know, Chase Young, everybody's going to think is great. But some people think Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the draft. Some people think Justin Herbert's the best. Some think people think two is the best. You know, there, there are a lot of good players. The variances will differ because outside of the great player that can't miss, that – fits across any scheme, those players are general consensus. But the the differences on variances really depend upon what your prototype is for the position. You may have a great corner, but if he's small and he doesn't have enough length, he's not going to fit for certain teams. That's not what they want. That's not what they like. Therefore, you're not going to like them as much. I always use the example – if you're the type that likes a pickup truck, and I don't like a pickup truck, there's nothing wrong with pickup trucks. I just don't have much use for it. I know that's a silly example, but there's certain guys that you look for, certain offensive linemen, corners, a lot of different positions. It's what you're looking for in terms of style. So there's not one position of variances. I think you look at a couple of things, offensive linemen. Well, are you running a man scheme or a zone scheme? Because you're going to like different guys, and you're going to have variances de- depending on what you're looking for in terms of skill set. In your coverage schemes, man man zone predominant, um, press off, deep cover, you know, I mean, all those things are going to affect what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to not give up in terms of that. In up front, you know, pretty much everybody's playing some form of a one-gap scheme. But if you're going to play a two-gap scheme, 
well, then certain guys are going to have more value than, than maybe a really good player that can't play at the point of attack very well. Or a guy that's a really good penetrator, but he can't hold up at the point of attack, not going to be ready quite as high. So it's really more about that, and it's really more about the what are you looking for more than anything else. A great quarterback's pretty obvious, but that becomes, you know, what, it, what are you intoxicated by? The physical gifts or the intangibles? That can vary a little bit on how you grade a guy. Running backs, again, you're looking for that feature back. You're looking for the versatility. Do you put more into um, a one-cut downhill guy or a guy that can make you miss in the open field type guy? Well, that's going to affect. Not everybody's going to love Jonathan Taylor. But if you're a one-cut downhill type running team, you're going to like him a lot more than most people or, you know, people that don't run that style. Receivers, you know, different types of receivers do different things. But um, obviously what you want in a slot, what you want in an outside receiver factors in. So hopefully that gives you an idea. But I think that there's the variances are in the great players and where there tends to be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, variances in terms of grades is, and I said that wrong, the lack of variances in the great players. I mean, everybody sees that, and they, they're universal. But the variances are with with some of the other positions, and it's not so much a position, but, again, the style of what you're looking for. So hopefully that gives you an idea. Um, you know, so good questions there, good thoughts there. Hey, folks, a um, couple of reminders again. Check out LandryFootball.com for all the draft boards all these scouting reports, all the free agent boards and scouting reports, got it all for you there. So check it out. Uh, you'll love it. Um, the best discount we've ever had on the scouting season offer. Take advantage of it, as well as take advantage of, uh, of the opportunity to not only get the draft information, the scouting, the, uh, the, the free agent information, the news and notebooks, but you will have you covered for the entire season. So you'll be in great shape all year round, seven days a week on football. Look, there's no downtime, even though there's somewhat of a downtime this time of year. Um, News-wise, there's a lot of information, and there will be a lot of information, obviously, as we head closer and closer towards the season. So check it out. Also check out 401K Generation. Give them a call. Give them a text. They're the experts in financial planning. 1-866-998-5879 is the number to call they will get you hooked up and certainly give you the best understanding of financial planning, investments, money management during this volatile time as well as any other time. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure that you check us out over on the college shows as well as as we break down uh, all the college players, draft prospects. Uh, We get into a lot more of that on those shows, and we break them down by region as we cover a different uh, conference each and every day while recapping the entire conference and the league of the past week, as well as bringing you the top of the news stories around the world of college football each and every day. So appreciate you joining us and look forward to talking to you again tomorrow on the College Show, on the Pro Show. I'm Chris Landry. Be safe. Talk to you next time.